Did you know that about 85% of the municipal solid waste that is generated in our cities can be recycled? That means they could be redirected away from the landfills. But the reality is that over 75% of the waste actually does end up in our landfills. And there are hundreds of such landfills in the outskirts of our cities. These landfills keep growing bigger and taller by the year and occasionally also catch fire as you would have heard in the news. On the other hand, there are about 25 million waste pickers in our country who toil under inhumane conditions to scavenge recyclable material from these landfills. Quite ironic, right? Perhaps there's a better way to recover this value from our waste without endangering both our waste pickers and our planet. Hello and welcome to Taking the Leap, a unique podcast by Social Alpha where we showcase passionate entrepreneurs who are on a mission to drive economic growth, social justice, and climate action through the power of market-creating innovations. I'm your host, Shrikant. And today, I have just the right set of people to talk about this towering problem of waste that confronts our cities. We have Nalini Shekhar and Shekhar Prabhakar, co-founders of Hasirudala Innovations, a unique for-purpose and not-for-loss enterprise as Shekhar puts it so nicely. Nalini and Shekhar, apart from being a real-life couple, through Hasirudala have also demonstrated a unique marriage between impact and business. And over the last years, five years, built and scaled this unique social venture. Nalini, Shekhar, it's an absolute pleasure to host you on Taking the Leap. A warm welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. It's our pleasure as well. Wonderful. So Nalini and Shekhar, uh, uh, it still feels like yesterday to me when I first met you both at a startup pitching event at I Am Calcutta. Hope you remember that as well. Uh, yes. Where you first explained the Hasirudala model, uh, I, pre I presume on a on a public setting, uh, and those were my initial days in the in the arena of social enterprise as well. And I was amazed at the clarity you brought in, uh, even at the business planning stage uh, of the business of the of the social enterprise. So while you have come a long way since then in terms of realizing your vision of a for-purpose enterprise, what has definitely not changed is that singular mission to work towards the cause of waste pickers. So Shekhar, let me begin by asking you uh, to introduce Hasirudala to our listeners, you know, in a typical uh, you know elevator pitch style, uh, maybe in two to three minutes. Sure. Uh, so if all of you are wondering why the tongue twisted of a name, uh, Hasirudala in Kannada, which is the local language in in Bangalore uh, means the green force, a name chosen by our waste pickers, and we decided to go with that. So we basically work with waste pickers. Uh, and uh, if I was to just give an align what we do, we, uh, we are a social enterprise that creates better livelihoods through inclusive business models that enable the circular economy. So that's what we do. Uh, the, we are waste picker centric. And because waste pickers know waste management the best, we are in waste management services. Uh, that's how I would I would introduce ourselves. Okay, wonderful. And of course, we'll we'll double click on each of what you said in in subsequent uh, sections. But maybe uh, before we actually delve further into Hasirudala, we always uh, you know find it uh, very intriguing or inspiring actually to know about the founders behind those ventures. So let's take a step back and look at your personal journeys. And uh, knowing you both personally, your journeys have truly been inspiring. 
I would love to uh, love for our listeners to know more about how your past experiences has led to the birth of Asirudala. So Nalini, uh, we'd like to start with you. Uh, and you have been a social activist all your life, and you work towards several causes very passionately across countries and geographies. So could you talk uh, through your journey, the initiatives that you led, uh, which was in Pune, US, back in Pune, then now in Nama Bengaluru. Right? So how did all of this eventually lead to the birth of Hasiludala? So if you were to explain that in a nutshell. So um, I started working uh, with my friends Purnima and Lakshmi in Pune in 1993 when waste uh, collection, waste management was unheard of. So we started working and looking at what is uh, the most vulnerable communities in in uh, in, a, in a city, and we really, after a lot of discussion, lot of going around, meeting people, we really f uh, found waste pickers the most vulnerable. Uh, for two reasons, in uh, in Pune, they all uh, had come from Maratwada region where there was uh, very bad rot, and all of them were Mang and Matars. That means they are all Dalits. So even within the slum, they were in the outskirts of uh, the slum. They were living in the outskirts. And uh, we really felt the kind of work they were doing was amazing. Uh, recovering, uh, uh, you know, just going through the waste and uh, making into a, uh, picking up stuff to make it to a tradable commodity uh, through their uh, labor. So I, we said this can be much better. In 93, actually, we started uh, collecting segregated dry waste uh, when there was no law. The law came only in 2000. Of course, after that, the birth of uh, a union happened there. And then, of course, uh, after that, I left the US, but my friends continued. And now it's a Swatch uh, cooperative is there. And mm -hmm. then I went to the US. Uh, before that, uh, for about four or five years, I was in Mumbai to, uh, you know, working on child labor. And those days when I said we need to uh, push for a legislation for compulsory education, people laughed at us. How can you say compulsory education for children? There'll be no way there's no child labor. But today, compulsory education is a law. And then I went to the US, worked on violence against women's issues and specifically on uh, human trafficking issues. Uh, I was part of... Uh, a network of uh, organization which pushed for legislation for human trafficking uh, survivors and then also provided the service uh, in Nexo Solution to Domestic Violence. So I came back and again I worked with Pune Group uh, on uh, more on the policy changes and today of course you have a law which defines waste pickers which was never there in 1993. We didn't even dream of uh, something like that will happen. And 2016 law, it talked about it. And then I came back to Bangalore, which is my hometown. And I said, I said, okay, now enough of activism. I'm going to just, uh, you know, change. And then I will uh, do terrace gardening and enjoy my dog and stay back at home. Of course, that didn't happen. So when I came here uh, in Bangalore, there were more than 25, 30,000 waste pickers. People were talking about solid waste management. Nobody thought about integrating them. So my retirement plans were set aside and I started working. So that's how um, Hasrudala uh, was started with another co-founder called Anselm Rosario. This was started as a trust in the beginning. Great. Incredible story leading up to the inception of Hasrudala. And um, yes, I think uh, uh, I think the world needs you, Nalini. So, <laughs> a few more. Oh, like, now no retirement. I know that. <laughs> right. I hope.
it's been a wonderful journey uh, and yeah that's great and wonderful to hear and now coming to shekhar and shekhar uh, you have the much coveted iit iim tag right <laughs> and uh, however what's incredible in your journey is that you have tasted uh, various you know decades of corporate experience and then you moved on to academia and now you have become a social entrepreneur so uh, would you like to describe your journey and uh, and the journey leading up to hasirudalla to our listeners yeah so i was the uh, typical you know middle class urban kid uh, as you said lucky enough to get through iit you know went and did a did a good corporate job i joined the it so i've i've been in sales and marketing in the it industry uh, solutions to services uh, in india uk and the us and uh, run uh, but when we came back in 2007 i was uh, head of marketing at uh, uh, adzanza technologies in pune and uh, what i realized at I had reached the level of my incompetence. I said, "I'll never be a CEO." So, is this what I want to do for the next, you know, whatever time one typically works in a corporate job? And I said, "No." And, um, and then, of course, uh, figured that after a lot of thought, that I always loved teaching, so I. pivoted to becoming a professor of marketing at Wellinger Institute of Management in Bangalore uh since 2010 i was there till 2000 when nalini and anselm set up the trust i became a trustee there uh in hasrudala uh, in you know in 2015 um, when uh, with the we'll be talking about the business model a little more but we of providing waste management services to bulk generators within the not for profit in 2014 and by 2015 we felt that it was something that uh, that could be scaled and we were looking at for cooperative a section 8 company or a private limited company we went decided on a private limited company uh, i want to say what uh, how it happened we we really were struggling whether it should be a cooperative it is a section 8 company or is it going to be a trust even uh, you know or a society so we asked shaker to facilitate a session for all of us he was not supposed to uh, give any input but just a, a facilitation because we thought he's a prof he knows how to do it and then we did that uh, session at the end of it shaker said okay now if you guys are going to decide to do a company i will come and i said okay what are you going to do and he said what will you give me i said ah marketing he said you are not going to give me a ceo position we said please please take we don't want that position it's a very hard position but we said we will not pay you for some time he said okay then uh, we said you have to invest he was like okay now i ask for it so he uh, really did that and uh, i don't think uh, uh, the people that we all uh, decided Uh, to set up a company would have done it without him because we had no idea how to run a company so that's how we got into it <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, but but i think the decision to do this to be as part was actually thanks to annama a waste picker uh, who in 2015 june or july 
Uh, she came with her three daughters and her youngest daughter walked up to me uh, with a handwritten English invitation uh, inviting us to the Gruha Pravesham of their new home. And I knew Annama as a bag carrying, street stomping, waste picker uh, just four years ago. And uh, uh, she was one of the first who got the ID card. And actually tears rolled down my eyes because I said if in four years we were able to create an opportunity for Annama to become an entrepreneur. She's a DWCC operator, uh, dry waste collection center operator. Uh, and see this quantum change in the quality of her life within four years. All that we did was give her access to opportunity. The hard work was done by her. Everything day in, day out was done by her. It wasn't done by any of us or the organization. All that we did was create that opportunity, create that confidence in her that she could do it. And I said, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And someone recently asked me, so how do you find being a social entrepreneur, being an entrepreneur uh, or a social entrepreneur to be specific? And I said, throughout my career, this is the first time in five years where I have truly got up, not necessarily saying, oh God, I have to go to work. And that in itself is, is return on the decision yeah. uh, of uh, going in for this. Uh, yeah, that's... The you are you are redefining uh, what a social entrepreneur. I mean, that's a great definition, actually. If you wake up and you know you don't feel like uh, going to work because it's it's like your passion. I mean, uh, that's quite. Uh, I heard it for the first time actually, so it's quite interesting. And uh, that anecdote that Nalini mentioned, uh, I uh, it was quite new. So, so I mean, moving uh, not really moving on. Actually, I wanted to take a pause, uh, Nalini, especially the initial days of Hasirudala Trust, right? And uh, you mentioned. Uh, your whole uh, you know journey and uh, coming to bangalore and then instituting the trust so what were the early days like and i'm sure one of the again very characteristic things uh, i've observed is that you work closely with the government right and and it is very important in a sector like this in a cause like this you know municipal solid waste and cause of waste pickers so uh, can you tell us about your early days of hasirudala trust and you yeah. did narrate how it led to the innovation the company but uh, what was the, how did you navigate through the early days, work with the government, work with the, uh, form the collectives, how many members did you add, I would like to know, yeah. So, uh, the trust was um, registered only in 2013. So, we were, uh, at 2010, we started organizing waste pickers and, uh, and uh, we went to uh, government and then at that time there was a case in uh, Lok Adalat, which is an alternate dispute resolution system within High Court. There was a case going on and then I said, okay, I'm going to just uh, intervene in the case and said, look, you're talking so much about solid waste management. Do you know, we just had done the behind the envelope calculation and said 800 tons of waste is picked up by waste pickers. That's what then we thought. But of course, later study showed 1050 tons. So, uh, we are, and what are you giving? So, you are not paying them anything. Uh, they are picking up your services, still not up to the mark. So, they are filling in the gap for your services and uh, they are not asking you any money they are doing it on their own they are creating wealth for a recycling industry so what what can you give them so that's the kind of uh, conversation we started having uh, there and then uh, then uh, mr siddhaya who is who was the um, you know commissioner is officer he said okay i'll uh, i said what do you want i said at least first give them an identity card with the logo of the city and signature of the commissioner 
they said okay i done do it so we also wanted uh, them to own the data of uh, waste pickers we said no you own the data you create a small simple software within your own system you put money get some four five ngos to do the uh, enumeration so that's how we started we believe that government has an obligation for solid waste management services government also has an obligation for poverty alleviation so we felt that this is a good uh, uh, thing that they can do both the obligation can be um, covered so at that time we were me and anselm went to another uh, foundation and said look this is what our plan is we'll get one one person from five ngos and uh, we try to do this if if things doesn't work out we will send them back to their ngos but we know that we we can work it out so they said they really did not believe and uh, they said you know i don't believe in this strategy but i believe in you so and i believe in anselm so we believe that you guys have something to do and we believe in you so we will invest so that's how we started so we started with five people and uh, going to anama for example she never wanted to give her details to get an id card who will give id card to waste pickers you know and there was places like mary and they would go under the drainage to hide because they would see us again and again asking for information to give an id but of course when the first id came uh, with the signature of the commissioner and the logo of the city that was the first time in india in pune the union gave the card and uh, people just endorsed it and here um, it was actually in one of the cases uh, mayor pulled out his uh, id card and our waste picker pulled out our id card and it was identical uh, job description was of course different um, so that is the kind of work we do with the waste pickers and with the city if city don't buy in then it's very difficult to work and uh, so uh, we should also prove that what we are saying is true so we have used research uh, very extensively uh, to show the the numbers and the impact we have uh, used waste picker voices we have asked a lot of uh, middle class environmentally conscious people who wanted to do good for bangalore to join us so all this really has uh, helped us to get it because the waste waste is about 360 degree should work and that's what we did wonderful are there in the collective right now i mean uh, in terms of like in bangalore in bangalore about 20 uh, little over 25 uh, i mean overall in uh, in hasudala itself uh, yeah. we are working in about 26 cities and okay. totally about 27000 plus uh, waste pickers uh, wonderful no uh, very interesting and, uh, and 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 moving on to the the business side of things right and shekhar yeah, uh, yeah that anecdote was very helpful and that was one of the questions i had as to you know what actually triggered you because you were uh, very you know comfortably teaching the marketing courses to mba students and oh, yeah, uh, it was it was a- enjoyed it also i totally enjoyed it as well i mean and you know it wasn't so demanding in terms of work either so it was a tough one to tough one to leave and come yeah, coming from a corporate experience uh, i think yeah a little more relaxing i guess and uh, you can face it at but then yeah and you you did decide so obviously that meeting seemed to be the trigger point but i'm sure you would have uh, seen and uh, her mission uh, of hasirudalla so uh, anything you would like to add in terms of you know what really uh, made you decide over a period of time to uh, join courses 
so i think uh, you know like what me about working with this community is that they truly are the most marginalized in a urban setting you know if if someone comes to the city can't find a job can't find a thing he or she can overnight become a waste picker mm. right? there's no employer employee relationship there's no capital yeah uh, thing as long as she she or he has the courage to get harassed a little by citizens or police early morning hours uh, to pick up the waste before the formal collection system comes. port of call for anyone coming into the city no one truly wants to be starting off right after that they like the work after that they like the work because they are masters of their own. uh but the unpredictability of their income is what what is uh, difficult for them so yeah the, yeah it it is the people that we work with their resilience their entrepreneurship uh, entrepreneurship uh, that that is innate in them because they're just basically traders at the end of the day if you really see right so uh, so all of that i think is is what wonderful what tip the scales for me follow up to the question on you know once the business was formed i mean once that you decided in 2015 that you will actually you know uh, take mm-hmm. the services through a business uh i want wanted you, your thought process on you know running both a not for profit entity on one end and a for profit entity uh, shekhar and alini you play uh, those roles uh, in that way but just wanted to know i mean this is something uh, that we discuss at social alpha also like how uh, the roles should be clearly defined and uh, we uh, typically give hasrizala as an example so would love to know your thought process around running these two entities what were the like demarcations you had uh, can you talk us through some of those things so uh, the not for profit works on what we call social justice for waste pickers okay. right which is typically identity rights education for the children healthcare for the family housing financial literacy and micro entrepreneurship micro entrepreneurship and uh, policy advocacy at multiple levels of the government because uh, of the sector and what they do government involvement is very uh, key and therefore so uh, by working on social justice we are able to they are able to access their rights as well as different security social security schemes of the government and so on now if you look at the areas that i listed most of it cannot be translated into a business model which mm-hmm. includes the waste pickers it needs philanthropic capital correct to do any of those things well and, and create inter, co-create interventions uh, with the waste pickers uh, for, in those areas but there are some aspects of what they do as well which, uh, which can uh, uh, be translated into a business model that gives them access to opportunities uh, and markets that they would not be able to access by themselves and that's where the company comes in right for example the dry waste collection center which is in each ward in the city is supported by the trust and the company is not involved though it's a business it's a run like a business because we could not add value by coming in as a company 
we would only add cost but we would not add value because the way speaker knows how to sort he, she or he knows how to sell into the thing and run that as a business right so trust in fact provides the capacity building in terms of entrepreneurship uh, financial uh, you know uh, so that is how we demarcate where the not for profit will play and where the uh, business uh, or the company would play right now for us it was important that because the other than waste pickers are slightly different especially from the from people who have invested either through donations and philanthropic capital in the uh, thing or as equity investors here yeah. that we are we do not cross utilize resources across the two organizations right it's a matter of integrity uh, and a uh, thing to the thing and the second is you are clear in your each other's mission the hasrudala is looking at as i say social justice for the larger waste picker community we are trying to create livelihoods for a smaller subsection sect because not everyone wants to be part of a formal system there are a lot of uh, waste pickers who say i don't want a 9 to 5 job or i don't want to be an entrepreneur or right? i don't want to be service provider a service provider whatever right so they are happy doing they, they just want supplemental income which is what we do through our event based management services for example right. so that is we actually differentiate between what the two organizations will do we are synergistic in terms of right so social justice from the trust economic justice from the company and we feel that both together are required one is by itself insufficient to actually impact the quality of life correct <clears throat> right both are required yes. and uh, that is that is what we are attempting to do uh, by having these two independent uh, organizations but still synergistic and symbiotic in some ways and also both organizations um are uh, big enough now and right. and the other day i was in hasrudala innovation uh, board meeting and uh, they talked about everything then i came back in the office they asked uh, how was the meeting i said phenomenal work they are doing i mean they're like you both a husband and wife live in the same house you don't know what each enough you do so that to that level we try to keep it uh, you know separate that's how you can uh, be integrate uh, integrity will can be demonstrated yeah. and also both has both uh, entity should independently show the impact only then um, it is worth uh, yeah i mean what's incredible is the, the the centricity of waste picker is still there in both the missions but uh, but still there are clear roles again roles governance execution and eventually uh, source of funds everything is kind of uh, very well uh, clear and uh, you know different so that's uh, and i mean i, I keep joking to shekhar that uh, this is like a template for how you know a typical uh, structure like this can be re re replicated in other uh, you know sectors as well um so yeah we keep uh, coming back to hasrudala and yeah i would love to move on uh, to now deep dive into hasrudala innovations business so uh, shekhar uh, uh, would love uh, maybe i would love, love for you to describe how the hasrudala business model right i mean it has various business another interesting thing you mentioned and have mentioned uh, repeatedly is the role of micro so again that integrates well into the hasrudala business model so can you talk us through what is hdi's business model the sure. business teams 
the franchises etc so that uh, 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 the listeners get a kind of mental picture of what it is yeah so uh, hazrudala innovations uh, has three business streams uh, one is what we call total waste management for bulk generators of waste typically apartment complexes offices corporate campuses restaurants and this was the one that was piloted first in the trust and which then perfected and uh, scaled in the company then we uh, when we started the company we also pioneered something known as event waste management services uh we, where we work with hosts of events it could be a personal event like a wedding it could be a sporting event like a marathon or an ipl a cultural event like sun uh, sunburn or ecos of earth and so on. and uh, here we provide waste management services for the event we work with the host the caterer the decorator to see how we can reduce the waste and then we look at uh, and then we provide waste management services so that nothing goes to the landfill and this one is uh, creates ad hoc jobs for uh, on the day of the event uh, for waste pickers and uh, we pay higher than market rates uh, daily wages for them and they love it because they get to access uh, uh, go to occasions that otherwise they wouldn't have access to meet with people that they, otherwise they wouldn't generally interact with plus they get good income as supplemental income to their waste picking income right so that has been a good thing unfortunately because of the pandemic that business shut down for quite some time it's just restarting uh, and then uh, when demonetization happened we sort of jumped in uh, more an emotional decision than anything else into aggregation of waste because when demonetization happened waste trading is a cash based business and uh, there was no cash and there was there were no transactions so we started buying uh, uh, waste from those who had bank accounts and where we could transfer the money and also because uh, <coughs> women uh, also will malnourished started weighing 23 24 kilos so we we needed to do something about their income so it was as shaker said it was more an emotional decision at that point of time right and of course demonetization went away and so we said okay now that we have jumped into it can we make a business out of it so we first tried paper and cardboard but the absolute uh, margins were not enough to compete with the informal. informal sector so we along with plastics for change another company we went to the body shop and created a first time in the world fairly traded plastic where we were able to sell to the body shop at a premium plastic waste went to their recycler from us uh, with uh, collected from waste pickers scrap dealers and so on and uh, back in uh, back into their packaging uh, in may 2019 they launched their largest selling escape 100% recycled packaging out of which 15% came from us so it was a truly circular economy initiative uh, and uh, we still continue to supply uh, to them and we are now talk uh seeing how we can uh expand uh, that in terms of footprint and geographical footprint and so on coming back to the total waste management services you know what we innovated there with on two aspects the business uh, operations model as well as the pricing model and i'll talk a little about both of them so hasudala innovations enters into a annual contract or a three year contract with the client the bulk generator mm-hmm. we identify a waste picker entrepreneur that uh, we we feel confident about buy him a truck if he doesn't have one already 
and uh, which becomes his of over four years. So he creates an asset for himself. He does the primary collection from the clients in uh, uh, of arch source segregated waste in three streams, wet, reject and dry. And then he gets to keep the dry recyclable and non-recyclable waste, which he knows how to sort, grade and sell into the. So we uh, uh, so he gets to keep that. He gets to keep that revenue. The company does not touch revenue from there. Uh, so he has a fixed income from us for doing the primary collection and a variable income in terms of what he's able to sell depending on the quantity, the quality of the waste. So all secondary transportation uh, and field operations, sales and marketing, and customer care, working capital are all taken care of by the company, right? So what have we done here? We, we have created a franchisee kind of system which is highly decentralized. So today, for example, we have 25 trucks running. If someone is, is absent today, uh, the entrepreneur goes back into his community and, and asks someone else to come and fill that job. If there were our employees, we would have to have a bench and we would have to figure out how to send him from, say, Jainagar to Whitefield because someone is absent in Whitefield. So if in terms of sheer operational agility, this was taken care of. Uh, so absenteeism, which is a big challenge in waste management because it's a physically demanding work. And uh, the second thing uh, is that because the truck is owned by him, fleet maintenance costs are transferred to him because he looks after his truck better because he is the owner. If it was company truck, it wouldn't, he wouldn't look after it as well. Right. So for, for me, this whole model was therefore a business model innovation which uh, addressed operational uh, uh, you know, uh, challenges of this business as well. Right. Created an opportunity for him to aspire to being more than a minimum wage worker. And just to give you an idea, Lothfar was our first entrepreneur who started working with us. Today owns three trucks. Last year he got a loan from the bank, unsolicited for buying a kinetic Honda, and now he's looking for land to build a house, right? That is the change from when he started, where he had literally a tattered T-shirt. Uh, that's how he used to come to work, right? Because that's all he had. Uh, and uh, today he's, he's that, he's given jobs to 26 people. Uh, he runs three trucks. Uh, and uh, I asked him once, I mean, now that you know, you have these assets, you can go do something else. And uh, he always tells me, but which other business or anything that I do or company that I work for or with will give me the dignity and respect that you guys give us? I will not trade that for anything. And that's all that, you know, that that makes our lives right. I mean, to, to hear something like that. So, uh, so that is from a business model, uh, you know, uh, the innovation. Now, in terms of pricing, uh, also what we did was we actually have a differential variable pricing based on the kind of waste that we pick up, right? So we charge the highest for rejects, lower for wet, and the lowest for dry. Why do we do this? Because it incentivizes 
uh, <clears throat> the customer to do better segregation because if it's mixed waste, I'll put it in the highest category. Right. Right. So this was this was basically a pay-as-you-throw model, as they call it in the U.S., which we actually took and did this differential pricing as well as we uh, we weigh the waste every day. So it's act, it's based on actual weight of waste that you generate. Right. Right. And we are hoping that over time people will say, why why am I paying so much for waste? Let me reduce the waste that I generate. Yeah. Also, right. So, uh, so that's a little bit about the business model. Uh, the, even what we did with the body shop uh, was a supply chain innovation. So, a lot of people ask me, "What is innovations uh, in the name?" Right, and my thing is that anything that you can bring to the table in terms of business model, supply chain model, pricing, process. all innovations, process, right, not be just technology. Great. Thanks, Shekhar. That's great to hear. I'm hearing, uh, you know, innovation, creativity at every level, every step and every stakeholder. You you, you, you have thought through what uh, incentives to align, uh, what are the interests and, uh, you know, built a model which uh, inherently becomes operationally scalable, right? Um, so that was uh, wonderful to hear uh, all kinds of innovation. It was also maybe a a kind of note on uh, various kinds of innovation you can do with the business model. So thank you for that. Uh, maybe just continuing on that, uh, the early days itself. Uh, so how did you, you know, get, so you also mentioned that you nudged uh, households to start segregating. Uh, on the other hand, there was also the government, uh, you know, bringing um, municipal solid waste, uh, you know, rules and, uh, you know, bulk generators have to kind of segregate waste. So uh, how did all of that lead to that initial because you know you started with a few thousand households and now you are doing it for you know maybe close to 30 40000 households so what was that initial scale phase for hasiruddala maybe you can touch upon that um, shekhar uh, actually within the not for profit itself we went from what we started off at three apartments to 40 apartments within a year so okay. so it was it was a combination of uh, of reliable services, social impact, as well as, uh, you know, the whole story around and uh, diverting away from landfills and all that, which helped. Though I must say that in the not-for-profit, part of the reason was also that we were not very expensive at that point of time because there were uh, hidden subsidies within the not-for-profit. Right. Uh, which came to light when we moved to the company and we actually increased prices. So the challenge was always that people would, are not willing to pay for waste management services. The people mm -hmm. that we target, for example, um, companies or a restaurant or a uh, apartment complex, which is typically middle class, they can afford to pay. Uh, uh, the thing is not ability to pay that that's the challenge is the willingness to pay and also a thing that it is the city's responsibility and why should I pay for it uh, kind of thing but uh, over time I think just by sheer word of mouth and uh, referrals we have grown to as you said we today have about 450 bulk generator clients in, in just in the residential sector we do about 33,000 households so, uh, you know, and today we have 21 waste picker entrepreneurs, 25 trucks on the road. Uh, so, yeah, uh, you know, it is, 
it 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 was challenging uh, in right. the beginning. Uh, we uh, see one of the things that you have to understand with something that we do is that whenever we go and offer our services, we are displacing someone. It's a displacement sale unless it's a completely new property where they haven't started waste management and we started it. Right. right? Otherwise, it's mostly what I call a displacement sale. So when you display right. status quo, status quo always tries to fire back at you, right? Because they're trying to survive as well. So we have had situations where uh, Nalni has been threatened with death, uh, trucks have been hijacked, a co-founder has been beaten up. But what what finally, uh, today doesn't happen any much uh, at all uh, because everyone has realized that we are here to stay. Right. right. So as a social entrepreneur taking on intractable, what seems intractable social issues, you have to be not just resilient but tenacious you right. need to be clear about why you are here and that that has to give you the energy to go through those difficulties uh, which will definitely come up because you are trying to change status quo minute you try to change status quo it will respond and react uh, sometimes violently sometimes otherwise but they will react the status quo will react Right. So so that is I mean, so any social entrepreneur taking on such social issues should be very clear that he has the resilience and the tenacity and clarity. Right. I mean, if he's not clear about how he's doing it, why he's doing it, then again, it's an issue because you're not you're getting not this. Get this. Right. This is really like braving the odds kind of a story and, you know, getting it to here and we'll definitely talk about your future as well. But I would like to maybe quick uh, take a quick detour because I also wanted to uh, uh, talk in detail about another challenge we all all confronted and more so um, Shekhar and uh, even Nalini, like more so Nalini because uh, of this COVID, right? And I wanted to like just take a detour and talk about COVID and the whole situation that unfolded from there um, and uh, the whole nationwide lockdown. lockdown. I'm sure uh, there was an immediate impact on waste pickers, right? And like Nalini mentioned, they were the most vulnerable uh, section in the uh, urban uh, cities. Uh, and uh, were quite vulnerable to economic shocks. So uh, maybe Nalini, can you talk us through that phase uh, when COVID hit, the initial phase of the lockdown? Uh, and I, I am also aware that Hasrudara did a lot to mobilize the resources uh, for the immediate relief. So uh, yeah, can you touch upon that and you know uh, how things have been from there? And then we'll come to business as well. One year, we one and a half years, we had seen a lot of. Uh, the lack of stability, I would say, in the market because of demonetization. Then we went through uh, GST was increased for plastic from 5 to 18 percent. Then, uh, you know, um, even the uh, petrol prices or the crude oil prices had come down. So during that time, we had seen a lot of malnourishment among the community. We had started nutrition program like growing your own mushrooms and stuff like that. So we knew and sometimes we have seen people weighing like 22 kilos, 23 kilos because women are the most vulnerable. Whatever in there in the kitchen, in their pot, the first thing is they feed their husbands and children and, and then if anything left, they would eat. Uh, that's typically how uh, uh, most of the people do. So we knew this uh, phase will come if there is a lockdown. So before the national lockdown was introduced, we had already distributed about 3,500 homes with one month ration. You know, 
so we knew this will happen so because we had the database we were able to pull out people who didn't have ration cards people who did not uh, have anything uh, no um, you know predictable income so we had identified we had seen 3500 Uh, families we identified in bangalore so we went and um, you know uh, gave the rations the last day in the evening when we were giving the last set of rations and that's how this lockdown was announced a national lockdown so we knew that people would be really um, you know in need of food at the same time we were also uh, very familiar with their uh, diet practices see when you are starving you can't change your diet that uh, leads to a lot of uh, challenges with the health so we knew who needed jowar who needed wheat who needed uh, you know boiled rice who needed steam rice so we were able to package it and and give it to them uh, um, and so that they will at least and also we were very keen to give it one month or two month ration because we didn't want to give for like one week and then throughout the week we'll be thinking where will the food come for the next week that is also mental health uh, challenges comes out so that is why we really gave big uh, packets of ration uh, to everyone and then uh, the local uh, uh, citizens group uh, with bengaluru came and said you guys have really uh, given uh, you know managed this so well can you manage it for other uh, migrants we said okay so we really scaled up we gave it to a lot of migrants and also non migrants even if people had ration card they didn't have dal in the ration so there is no protein intake uh, for community so we started uh, giving like that not not rice but the dal and the other stuff they they required what we really found out was because we knew our community we were just able to customize the food they wanted but here we couldn't customize we didn't know who they were they were we just Uh, started giving good quality ration that's it that's what we did and uh, we we did that and then uh, as you know that uh, all the pharmacies was closed for any kind of medicine um, local quacks were closed and which they go to people were very afraid to go to um, you know um, the phcs because all of them was turned into covid testing centers so uh, immediately we because we do again because the data really help because we do health uh, camps regularly we knew how, how many people are diabetic how many people are had uh, issues with the bp and we have lot of issues of cardiac challenges see even for bp and diabetes you can get medicine from uh, uh, you know um, uh, phcs but you will never get medicine for cardiac so if they don't have income and cardiac issues are there we had to supply uh, you know um the medicine so we had a telemedicine uh, uh, group and uh, the group of doctors would help us so he would just prescribe directly to the pharmacy and then uh, the uh, the citizen i mean the waste pickers would go there to pick it up so there were so many then we made a special thing for pregnant women um, lactating mothers and children uh, below 6 uh, years we really did the high protein diets uh, of, i mean material were given to them we were able to do all that and i am very proud to say no waste picker left the city wow uh, Uh, you know they were um, in lakhs and lakhs uh, migrants were leaving the city no uh, waste picker left the city because they knew that there is uh, a solidarity here they knew they had brothers and sisters here who were uh, together so that really showed us how important it is to organize people whether you provide any services to them or not just that feeling that the, the, for most of the migrant ran away because they didn't know anybody here they didn't feel uh, that belongingness but 
that we didn't see in base because we helped so many other migrants to move back to their homes but none none of the base pickers went left uh, bangalore so that's the kind of work we did and uh, the and also we started looking at all the market closed uh, access to waste was uh, uh, was a challenge but in drivers collection center they had to provide services because it was an essential service so uh, so they were not able to sell material there was no money then we uh, give india helped us to at least pay one month um, you know salary kind of a thing yeah. so there are a lot of other things we have done yeah and waste because themselves have done a lot to support each other yeah yeah so i can imagine and uh, yeah once they get benefited they obviously pass it passed on i mean in terms of resources as well as the effort right and yeah. it's so i mean it's such a wonderful story uh, i mean one that you preempted this whole situation and uh, took some proactive steps and then perhaps that really averted a crisis uh, in this whole thing and given that waste management also was an is an essential services uh, so whenever things uh, even after that slight hiccup things coming back uh, i think it was more seamless because nobody left so that was i mean amazing and no shaker i wanted your uh, point also here with the business itself right and i know that a couple of months were really you know uh, kind of dipped uh, in terms of um, tra- action and revenues right uh, so how was it how how did you uh, navigate through the covid situation yeah. i i think that the the first thing i would i would like to say is that i'm truly proud of all our employees and workers because they worked through the lockdown providing services every day without a break and any of them could have said we will not come to work because they had the right to do so but right. none of them did so i just want to put it out there that uh you know that's that's the kind of commitment that uh, both employees and workers have uh towards what they're doing go echo the same thing with trust also not one employee stayed back at home during right. this whole lockdown right i mean we were going out and distributing rations in the slums uh, right you know so the uh, covid warriors as we say them right i mean yeah, yeah. yeah. covid warriors yeah uh, and uh, so anyway i just wanted to put it out there but from a business perspective uh the business that did not get affected was our uh, was the biz, uh, was the business uh, the services that we offer uh, we offer the residential apartments and right. uh, as complexes uh what got affected was uh, the corporate campuses because everyone was working from home uh, so the amount of waste generated came down some some of them totally shut their offices Right. uh right so there was no waste generated at all so they did, didn't need our services so the whole of electronic city took a dip events waste management shut down completely because there were no events allowed so that was a bizarre then for two months we were not able to run our aggregation center business and uh, because it was not seen as an uh, aggregation was not seen as a essential, essential service the supply chain was not seen as a essential service only collection was seen as an essential service which right. is which this taught us that that's not the way the government should look at it and we are trying to advocate that the whole supply chain should be open in as case of essential. a disaster uh, as an essential service <clears throat> so so yes it has been tough but i think we responded very well uh, as a company as employees as the organization we responded very well with cost containment measures uh in may and june we took 50% of salary cuts across the board except workers uh and uh, everyone just were willingly did it 
uh, there was no uh, hassle about it at all. Then we went and uh, renegotiated with our landlords, with our you know partners. So, for example, with our corporate office, we were able to get a 50% off on rent for six months. So all that helped us survive through this time. I think it will take some time for us to come back to pre-COVID levels in terms of signing up new clients. So we are more in a uh, survive and maintain mode right now. But I, I see that changing by April and May uh, when things would again start opening up uh, with new vigor. I think we survived well. Yeah. We're trying I, to thrive. Yeah. I think, as, and like you said, with the news of vaccine and things coming back, uh, especially the corporates and the business, right. hopefully uh, you'll reach the pre COVID levels and scale from there. Right. Um, and yeah, before I, I talk about the future and scale, what does scale mean? Uh, I also wanted to touch upon this whole concept of impact and social entrepreneurship, right? And, uh, and hear your perspective. Now, as you know, you know, social entrepreneurship is a very broad term used for a variety of models. So I have like two parts to this broad question. So one is, you know, what does impact mean to you, Nalini and Shekhar? Uh, and how do you ensure that it always stays at the center of what you do? And in that context, uh, the second part is about what is social enterprise to you, Shekhar? And, you know, how does a social entrepreneur balance between impact, profitability and scale? Because all of them, in a way, are needed uh, to kind of grow, right? So, yeah, maybe... Uh, the impact question first, maybe starting with Nalini. So for me, impact uh, is a, a lifestyle lifestyle change for Facebookers. You know, okay. uh, life. Uh, the way I define lifestyle is, um, you know, the children, uh, food, and education is compromised for the housing, or um, you know, housing is not compromised uh, with uh, you know work. So it has to be affordable housing, affordable food, and uh, if they are able to provide continuous education to children, for me, that is impact. Somebody had recently done a study, uh, we were not involved in it, which showed that after Hasrudala has started in Bangalore, the waste pickers uh, in uh, industry has seen less children or no children in the industry, which is very big for us. So for uh, and we also believe that working with adults will result in children going to school. So um, and now is a challenge to make sure the children will go back to school. Um, that is another thing. So for me, impact is uh, lifestyle lifestyle changes and um, good food, health, and uh, school for children. Right. So a very holistic definition. And, and it, that is very much needed because that is what will give them agency and empowerment and their next generation to kind of uh, have, the choice. Yeah, have the choice. Exactly. Wonderful. And Shekhar, yes, uh, you are the business so person. Me, yeah, yeah, for me, impact is very similar. I mean, because, you know, we, we come, uh, our genesis is similar in terms of why we are here. Uh, but uh, specifically to the company, for me, I, I would be impacting the quality of life of waste pickers if I'm able to for, for me better livelihoods uh, is more than a unidimensional thing in terms of increase in income right it is predictability of income increase in income better working conditions and access to clean waste mm. right so that for me encompasses better livelihood and that's the impact that we are trying to truly uh, uh, get out there to your second question in terms of uh, balancing so i 
I don't think it is truly a balancing act as much as it is it is impact and profit. Okay. Uh, right. Uh, it is not it's not an or right. that you have to deal with. The minute you think it is an or that you have to deal with, then you have a per issue. Right. <clears throat> right. Because then you want to compromise on one or the other. Correct. So if you think of it as an and function, Mm -hmm. They would, for example, look for investors who look at that and, right. and not just financial returns, right? Right, and the whole, therefore, is is truly what what we are looking at. So it cannot be or; it has to be an and. If you are able to get to that stage, then it's easy going, right? And from a uh, for me, scale is important because. Things like what we do, our business models, for example, I automatically scale my impact. Right. There is a direct uh, proportional relationship there, right? So for me, if if I am truly interested in impact, then scale automatically comes with it, in my opinion. It doesn't have to be something separate uh, that you should be looking at. Of course, the pace at which you can scale, the uh, uh, you know the kind of scaling, for example, even going deep can be scale. It doesn't necessarily have to be wide, right? I mean, if I'm able to impact their lives in a very deep way, that is also scale in my opinion. It is taking all those into account. And, uh, and I think, the basic thing is, for example, every time I have to take any major decision, I ask myself, is this good for the waste picker? And then I ask the question, is it viable as a business? Yeah. Right. And both are necessary. One without the other will not work. Right. right? If it's only good for the waste picker and it's not viable business, I'll tell the trust to take care of it. Right. <laughs> You know, uh, your litmus test should be that you answer such questions for yourself, uh, which take the and into account rather than one or the other. It's wonderful that, you know, uh, these might sound like very complex things and how beautifully you, you know, translate them into very simple questions and have that clarity to, you know, uh, drive uh, how, how to you know best take it forward. And like you said, making it an and and not a either or or, right? You're not, um, you know, it's not a limiting function. It's like expanding the possibility. So that's wonderful to hear. And yes, and that brings us to when you're talking of scale, we definitely need to talk of HDI's future. I also maybe want to touch upon the, the point of investment that you mentioned. So Shekhar, how was investment for you? And I, I know that, you know, you are in the midst of raising your next round. So uh, how has investors been to you? Have they been kind to you? Well, they have been very kind. The Social Alpha uh, is, we were the first true investee, I think, of Social Alpha. Right, right. It is highly serendipitous. I mean, you were there at the Tata Social Enterprise Challenge and Manoj was there, uh, Innovent was there. So I had investors working with me directly from the beginning instead of me going and figuring out who I should work with. And uh, so there was a certain level of serendipity, I think, involved. Uh, we were lucky and since 2016 when we raised that first seed round between social alpha and innovent we have managed on our own uh, uh, thing we have grown at 48 percent cagr so we have scaled reasonably well we have been profitable we, we when the covid happened 
I felt that I need to raise a bridge round just so that we have the runway in case the, this thing went on for too long, yeah. right? Uh, and therefore, I again reached out and we had excellent impact investors. Innovent themselves came back. Uh, we had uh, Beyond Capital, we had Upaya Social Ventures, we had Prashant, a very, someone who's very interested, of Axel Partners, who's very interested personally in the yeah. space. I must say that I have been lucky. Uh, the investors have been extremely good to us in terms of their patience, in terms of uh, their inputs and uh, understanding of what we are trying to do. Uh, so we have been very lucky. Uh, Don't uh, forget about your hard work too. I, <laughs> I think True. investors always talk well with that, uh, you know, mission and uh, that, uh, you know, ability to execute. And uh, I think both of you in a way uh, reflect that. <laughs> right. So, right. Yeah. So wonderful. And I'm so glad. Ability uh, yeah. is, is something that uh, both, organizations. both organizations have demonstrated. Right. And that I think is what makes investors also a little more confident that if we put in the extra money to help them scale, they would execute, yeah. right? So and I, I must add, I mean, uh, because again, Hasirudala was my first company that I worked with. Uh, and, you know, it it uh, operationally broke even in a record 18 months, if I recall right, Shekhar. And yeah. that was something, uh, you know, incredible. Like, uh, we don't have even commercial startups do that, you know, in the... In, in the other space. So you know, that, that's wonderful. And that actually shows uh, the kind of uh, model that you have, uh, you just uh, described earlier as well. And no, wonderful and good that, uh, you know, it has been a great uh, symbiotic, uh, you know, relationship, both investors uh, and uh, you finding the you know, right uh, intent there. And yeah, I would love to now talk about your future because you just said you also closed an investment round. So it has been uh, like a zero to one uh, journey in the last five years. You've demonstrated a model that works, that sustains on its own. And now you're looking to scale, right? Uh, so what does the next five years look for you, Shekhar, for Hasirudala Innovations? What are your scale-up plans? And more, I mean, is it scale-up in scope or geography? How would you describe that? I, I think we're truly at the at a cusp in terms of where we are. Mm -hmm. uh, we have grown uh, organically and with our own resources so far. Uh, but now we need to truly go into a hockey stick kind of growth, where which I think is possible because there are a lot of key trends which are uh, emerging, uh, emerging and, and coming together, which will create that opportunity to scale, right? right. And for us, scale is obviously going to be one in terms of market penetration in the markets that we already are in, then scaling, uh, uh, scaling uh, beyond Bangalore, so geographic expansion. The yes. third is uh, in terms of just replicate, for example, aggregation, right? Replicating it in in multiple locations and things so that the volume and we get the uh, economies of scale uh, to kick in and be uh, be a big player in that, but. If we are not able to do that in the next two years, I truly believe we would be just another company. So it is it is very key that we execute in a very focused manner on expansion and scale uh, over the next two years, and that uh, and that is what I think the investors are supporting us uh, as well. Uh, so we did raise a bridge round. Uh, 
uh, which actually closed today. So oh, uh, in okay. terms of the actual agreement and so on, so I uh, closed today. And also you um, have to explain the processing uh, of uh, organic waste. Yeah. Is so the thing. next thing that we are looking at is, the, so this is taking our current models or adapting those models to different geographies. Yeah. The other thing that we are doing is moving up the value chain in terms of waste to value where we are going to uh, have a joint venture with another startup uh, who is into biogas for transforming organic wet waste into compressed biogas. And we think that we would be uh, one of the first uh, joint ventures to come and demonstrate that municipal solid waste uh, can be a viable uh, proposition in this space. So we are really looking forward to it and excited about moving up the waste value chain as well. Uh, and uh, even in terms of uh, the uh, not-for-profit, they're, uh, they're going to be doing something around MLP and boards, which we want to get into products, uh, value-added products, uh, where uh, from waste or recycled material, you get value-added products. So it could be upcycled, it could be you know totally new products, whatever. So that is another long-term vision, which we hope to execute maybe at the end of year two from now. Right. So I think what I'm hearing is the, the bottom line is uh, you know, focus more on waste to value and uh, get more value at the end of the value chain, which will further incentivize the entire you know value chain in that sense. And of course, your uh, organic growth in terms of your uh, current services uh, will definitely get boosted uh, because of the fundraise. No, I think uh, it sounds very exciting and uh, what we can definitely be rest assured that the, you know, the, the mission of Waste Picker will always be at the center. So how much ever you scale, that just means that so much Waste Pickers would be impacted. So that, that's so incredible about your uh, enterprise shaker. So, um, so well put also. No, I think uh, uh, kind of recovered your journey and uh, I got to know a lot more today as well. Uh, so thank you for doing this. And uh, we, we're coming towards the end of uh, podcast and uh, we have some, uh, like this is one of, a, one of the interesting uh, section that, uh, you know, I look forward to. This is uh, what we call as the takeaway uh, section. And we have, uh, it's like a rapid fire shaker, but you know, okay. <laughs> you don't need to be, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a very simple, like three questions that we want to ask you. Uh, so this is all about you know advice and we see that a lot of entrepreneurs uh, get a lot of advice a lot of them are very well intended some are unsolicited you know so and uh, you know you do a lot uh, i mean you 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 obviously you know pay heed to a lot of them and etc and uh, that d does work in your favor so we have three quick questions on um, advice right so uh, are, are you ready <laughs> yeah so the first question is uh, you know one advice you received which you followed through and that proved to be crucial in your journey yeah, I think uh, w one of my uh, friends who is a CEO, uh, classmates actually, was a CEO, uh, told me cash is king, you know, okay. profits is later. I followed it very, very well in the first three years. I took my eye off the ball for one year and we were in a mess uh, in terms of uh, cash and receivables. So I think, uh, I think cash is king is something okay. that all of us as entrepreneurs uh, should heed that advice. Right. Yeah, uh, I mean, I can completely relate to that. <laughs> and we have had multiple conversations on, on that as well. Uh, yeah. And uh, the second one uh, is one advice you willingly ignored 
that actually helped you and you know, open both nalini shekhar uh, both of you can chip in one advice uh, i completely ignored was uh, this is too much stop it you know i mean have some limitation maybe just in bangalore but mm-hmm. my passion is to reach out to every way speaker in karnataka that didn't stop me right not completely <laughs> So, so glad you ignored that advice. <laughs> <laughs> so one uh, advice that I had uh, was, uh, you know, just focus on scaling. Uh, profitability will come, uh, and I ignored it because I truly wanted to see whether we have a truly sustainable, viable business model, right? Which I think we have proven. Maybe we could we could have started the scaling journey. Again. year earlier uh maybe i delayed by one year but i think that was i'm okay with having ignored that advice uh right. they said just scale 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 and you know we can figure out profitability later now i think i'm ready for it uh to be able to scale uh and uh knowing that i we can bring profitability in as well right so very interesting actually and uh, this is something we discuss internally as well at social alpha especially in sectors where capital is scarce i think uh, uh, perhaps that approach is a little more rational because if you scale without uh, looking at your unit unit economics you know again that it goes back to your cash is king point <laughs> so you might you know end up with the uh, burning your cash right. and uh, last uh, but not the least uh, one advice you know you should have followed now looking back maybe maybe you didn't follow but you should have followed okay for me um you know having a good financial system was uh, advice to me and i said yeah, we can manage it which uh, i think uh, was not good but especially because when trust went into providing services um, that uh, proved to be uh, really i should not have ignored but today we are trying to uh, apply for an award for uh, you know best finance management in ngo sector so so right. we have grown from there wonderful so you actually followed it through now and uh, you know you are acing it <laughs> it is a bit delay but it's okay we did yeah. it so anything part shaker yeah i uh i don't know whether to say it was uh, an advice truly given but i think you know people talked a lot about how we should be a little more technology focused and in terms of technology enablement you know it it would have been good if we had if we had incorporated that right from the beginning uh, uh, which we actually attempted but for many reasons it didn't happen but we didn't pivot pursue. and and pursue it with the vigor we should have Right. Uh, uh because uh, uh you know if you don't do that in the next few months it might hamper our ability to scale right but but yeah i think now you're back and uh, tech is a focus uh, with your waste right. to value plans right. no it's wonderful and i think yeah all the three points are so much uh, generic and informative i'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs listening into it or budding entrepreneurs uh, tune into this uh, will draw you know insights and inspiration No, okay. I think we have come to end of uh, this incredible uh, podcast. Uh, I I just realized that 
it's been quite a while <laughs> so but it was uh, you know it just uh, flew by the the kind of conversation we had and uh, i learned a lot more actually about uh, you both personally and also about hasirullah uh, so thank you for doing this uh, shekhar and nalini uh, taking time for this i'm sure this will be incredibly helpful for a lot of uh, budding entrepreneurs who listen to this and uh, it was really really enjoyable for us to interact with you uh, and uh, um, good luck for your uh, future plans and i'm sure hasrudullah um, will play a role in you know transforming uh, waste pickers from a macro perspective in india you already doing it in bangalore and karnataka and i'm sure uh, more more and more cities like nalini said already 20 plus cities i'm sure uh, and it will become a mainstream sector uh, and uh, the the necessary agency empowerment and dignity that needs to be associated with waste pickers will will definitely come by and with that note uh, maybe would like to thank again uh, thanks yeah, for the time yeah. and have a good uh, day thank thanks you. for the opportunity uh, thank you very much all the best thank you it's reliving uh, what we had done so it was good <laughs> <laughs> yes we lived it with you thank you so much <laughs> yeah. bye bye so that was nalini and shekhar talking about their journey of conceptualizing building and further scaling hasirudalla uh, i hope you enjoyed listening to them and their journeys took inspiration and also got to know a lot more about the waste management as a sector in that context uh, hnm foundation and social alpha have uh, come together to launch tectonic a nationwide call for innovators and entrepreneurs in waste management sector who are developing solutions to accelerate waste management solutions and also improve the overall quality of life of these waste pickers uh, we invite and encourage uh, startups and entrepreneurs to uh, apply to this challenge uh, further details and links are uh, given in in the show notes below so do check it out and have a good day thank you